Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 90 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 23rd, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Justin had a last minute family emergency come up, so uh, be sure to send him some love over on Twitter at JustinSane0516 and let him know that we miss him. Um... Mel is also out uh, due to work. She just got back from, I believe it was WonderCon. I don't have that written down, so I'm trying to remember that off my head. Um, and so her schedule is still still kind of insane at this time. So be sure to let her know that we miss her over on Twitter at the Wind of the Stars. And from the depths of the madness inducing mind maps, we are joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. I heard that you've already ventured into the th- southern states a bit earlier than the rest of us. So uh, it's it's you're just down there to uh, get ready for Guardian Con, right? Well, not quite yet. I am currently sitting in the beautiful beige hotel room in the middle of Wichita, Kansas, waiting so we can get on a plane tomorrow morning to get down there. And ah. Yeah, we're going to get down there about a uh, tomorrow afternoon sometime and hang out in Orlando for a couple of days before we head over to Tampa. So yeah, we're starting a little early. <laughs> I just, I'm just going with the approach that you're, you're going down there to get everyone ready for, for guardian con. Oh yeah. Not I'm kind of going to lend my organizational skills. Exactly. To obviously. Who have been organizing this giant convention. <laughs> well, all right guys, let's run through the intro real quick. Um, and then we're going to jump right into the conversation. The topic of today's chat is going to be a dive into the lore of the Destiny universe and dimensions. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of the topic, and this is what she had to say. A universe. Is it merely a collection of the solar systems which comprise its physical makeup? Or is there a chance, a glimmer of possibility, that there lies something more? Something deeper and maybe darker within the boundaries of the concept. The world of Destiny is complex. We have been to multiple dimensions and heard about others. In the Books of Sorrow, we learn about two different types of planes. Throne Worlds, which is also called the Sword Realm or Ascendant Plane, and a Wound Space. From one of these wound spaces, we get the Vex, who sprung forth into our material plane thanks to the ignorance of Crota. Or is the world of destiny much simpler than all of that? Are we just part of a pluralistic battle between light and dark? What is the meaning of the universe? I mean, destiny's universe, not ours, but maybe they aren't too different after all. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Deep Stone Crypt. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all our previous chats, as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and to help us continue to grow. 
As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be also sure to give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. We're going to be taking next week off due to Guardian Con. Uh, we are really looking forward to meeting those of you who are able or who are going to be able to make it out that way. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had about the universe of Destiny and the, the often confusing dimensions which it's composed of. Warbot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. All right, let me let me try this. <clears throat> Thanks, Randy. Did I did I get it? Did I get it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Congrats. Yes. Congratulations to me. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna just never try that again. Um. So like okay, we. <laughs> so <laughs> like we yeah. said before, uh, there's there's actually this is. It's interesting. This is one of the most broad topics out there. You know, it, it's the actual game world that we are playing in. And there really is not um, not really any specific cards about this. Uh, there, There's lines here and there throughout cards uh, that deal with different aspects of the universe, definitely. Uh, and there's, you know, there's items that talk about it and general implications between the cards and the conversations within the cards. But there's not any one particular card that says, you know, this is the game world. Um, part of part of the reason is because obviously as a science fiction creation, there's just some things that are well beyond explanation, um, which brings me to my favorite card and the one that the one card that I think I'm going to read is Atheon's card just simply because of the the intro um green you you think that's a good good approach I think that's as best approach as we have as any perfect sorry Justin's sending us memes he should be <laughs> going to sleep um go to bed Justin <laughs> so all right Atheon's times conflux To speak of Atheon is to accept certain limitations. We are ill-equipped to understand an entity that defies simple causality. Let us accept these limitations and proceed. Atheon waits in the vault of glass. Just as Atheon sidesteps past and future, it is impossible to say whether Atheon created the vault or the vault created Atheon. Causal pathways converge on Atheon from every axis in the space-time bulk. Atheon has a function— We hazard that it regulates and oversees the Vex Conflux system. What are these Confluxes? How do they relate to the physical Vex network that has devoured so much of Mercury and Venus? We might guess that the Vex Confluxes represent the extension of this network across space and time. 
Perhaps the VEX used closed time-like curves to solve unfathomable computations. Or the VEX may seek to transcend a physical substrate and move their thoughts directly into the fundament of the universe. If physics is a set of rules that the cosmos used to calculate itself, perhaps the VEX seek to worm their way into these calculations to become a law of reality inseparable from existence, a virus in the system. Perhaps Atheon was the centerpiece of this project, a command nexus that unified efforts across time. But we must accept that all of this is speculation. Love it! Love that card! Mm-hmm. So, basically, we're guessing. Because that's what we do. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know Green where do you, where do you want to start we I have I have plenty of notes to go over with in regards to the Destiny universe. Um, Should we start with like the most zoomed out photo and just kind of talk about what we know as far as the most zoomed out photo of like? What yeah, we can do that. Um, you want to you want to lead the charge on that one? Sure. Um, in the Destiny universe, we basically have at least for the material plane, which is the one we're in most of the time. Then we go and we know we have an ascendant realm and we know there's a Vex network, which is kind of sort of also seen in Books of Sorrow when Crota cuts open the wound in the ascendant realm that leads the Vex into our realm, which those could be two different things, but it's possibly not. Mm-hmm. There's... And that's pretty much it as far as actual realms or dimensions in some respects. I know there's like a a debate whether or not the deep is an actual place. I feel like it's a state of mind more than an actual place. But that's personal. What do you think? I think I'm I'm going to I said this in chat and I'm going to get a double down on this i think that kex's theory is a really good one and i kind of agree with it i think that it, i would i would hmm, i want to call it a pluralistic universe uh simply because it kind of team it kind of seems that way um but it could be a dualistic um the so like I guess so here hang on, let me I back think up. it's more no well, go I for think it, it's go more for it. than dualistic for right sure. right yeah I, I, that's I mean that's why I'm I'm aligning with the pluralism um so right. to to it's, kind of define define those terms for everyone uh pluralism in general terms and I I put this all in the mind map so if you guys if you guys are gonna are you if you're listening and you want to see all this kind of written out a little bit a little bit for your reading speed and not just for my babbling. Um, I have this all written on the mind map, which I will attach in the show notes. Pluralism in general terms is a theory that there is more than one basic substance or principle. Uh, it, it is often very heavily contrasted to monism, which basically holds that there's ultimately just one kind of substance, and dualism, which holds that ultimately there are two kinds of substance in the universe. Um, you see this a lot in the what's called the philosophy of mind. Uh, dualism holds that the mind and the matter are separate substances. Uh, and it kind of this is kind of where in philosophy the splitting of hairs begins because dualism is pluralism it's just a 
a restricted form of pluralism. Um, mm-hmm. So when you apply that to things such as metaphysics, uh, it's basic, which is basically reality and stuff like that nature. Uh, pluralistic metaphysics is the belief that reality consists of many different substances. In Destiny, this can be seen in the presentation of light, which is broken into three fundamental elements, which is arc, solar, and void. Um, these elements uh, in this light is often kind of implied and described as the building blocks of the universe which would go back into a pluralistic metaphysics because you have three. Uh, A dualistic metaphysics would obviously have two and a monistic would, as we've just said, would have one. Um, Now there is a, another kind of pluralistic use here that I want to mention. And that is in epistemology. Uh, This is the claim that there are several conflicting but still true descriptions of the world and that no single explanatory system or view of reality can account for all of the phenomena of life. So to kind of simplify that into destiny terms, this is the presentation of the view of reality as presented by the deep and the sky. You have two opposing views, both which are technically true, and they both explain aspects of life but not the entirety of it um you have also throw the vex into that right and then you have themselves right and because like in and this goes into tolan's presentation of the three queens you have the queen of laws the queen of the armies and then the queen of tower or the city no tower i can't remember i can never remember the last one but so pluralism is really just a multifaceted thing um pluralistic metaphysics is a multifaceted explanation of the building blocks of reality and epistemology is well the multifaceted explanation of the abstract truth there is no abstract capital t truth in a pluralistic epistemology side note that's why i don't i can't stand pluralistic epistemology because it's relativism and i'm gonna stop myself before i go down that that whole argument um right But in regards to metaphysics, that also opens the door to explaining the concept of the sword realms or the throne worlds. Mm -hmm. Well, not only that, it makes a lot more sense because we know in our society in general that things aren't just black versus white or good versus evil. That's very dualistic. The sky versus the deep. That would be very, very dualistic. Mm -hmm. If we zoomed out, yeah, Destiny has a very general feel of good versus evil but what are the levels of evil it's not all the same you can't lump everything together because everyone has their own different perspectives so dualism doesn't really work in this context because we know the cabal have a completely different societal makeup versus the vex versus the hive everybody has their own way of doing things therefore they have their own perspective of reality themselves So it makes more sense that we would have a pluralistic society because there are so many different players, not just two major players affecting everybody and pulling heartstrings. Right. And it's, and like you said, dualism is definitely more of a black and white uh, presentation, you know, and I mean, in, in regards to even the, 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 the super, the abnormal and supernatural makeup of the universe within destiny. There's not just two. 
there's there's a degree of you know and i've i've talked about this you know quite a bit it's there's a degree of a con a at least three point you know tripod here of animating force not a consciousness and then the actual physical force like there there's this this constant cycle of that um now and you know this is all this is very very granular explanation of that but if you take that back out there's not even a dualistic setup within the personalities of these people and then you start coming back and you're like yeah there's entire society i mean you're right the cabal the cabal don't have anything to do with the deep or the darkness at all they have nothing i mean and they that's been confirmed you know with the destiny 2 that's one of the big things that they kind of came out with was we're not talking about the darkness in destiny 2 because the cabal have nothing to do or, well really don't really have anything explicitly to do with the darkness um and okay cool that's that's a completely legit point of view in a pluralistic metaphysical universe because what that's saying is that the darkness is not it's not sorry for this one it's not black and white it's not light and dark there are shadows and those shadows are where things where entities like the woken the cabal eris all these figures within the destiny universe operate within the shadows so and, and that's and have, go for it go for it and i mean we have so many different examples even like you mentioned eris what about toland what mm-hmm. about osiris i mean we have examples of people who kind of toe outside the lines if you're going to go a strict light versus dark what determines light what determines dark right are there different very i mean there's no way to have a strict black and white i think in any almost any kind of thing within destiny right and i mean even the presentation of the warlords introduced Mm -hmm. that that entire thing was trigger trigger just threw that in chat Um, the entire presentation of warlords is entirely a throwing out of the dualistic nature because it proves that just because you're risen does not mean that you're a good guy or you know girl whatever good person you are you are presented when you when you rise from the grave you are presented with a choice and your choice is hey you have super powerful abilities what are you going to do with it are you going to protect that's are you going to you're going to subjugate like you that's know. exactly what Shaq says. That's what I mean. Or not Shaq Savala when he does his the preview that uh that clip we got in the reveal. That's the speech. You're presented with a choice. What's your choice? Are you mm-hmm. going to take care of the people around you, or are you not? Definitely. So so okay, we got into the dualism and how it's not dualistic and and destiny going into the pluralism a little bit more do you want to explain kex's oh my gosh yes people who haven't seen it yet this is an amazing theory okay okay i'm gonna first off fair warning kex's theory is i i absolutely love it if you can't tell by the excitement in my voice second off I'm not going to be able to do it justice, so I am going to link it. It's already linked in our show notes, uh, or not our show notes, on our mind map. Be sure to jump into the mind map and look at this, because I have a little bit of a summary written down in there. I will also link it in the show notes, just in case you in case you don't un, you don't know how to work the mind map. 
Um, but basically, the the very very high level view of Kex's theory is that the void is the space that houses the ascendant realms, the Black Garden, and the Vex network, and it's actually how it connects light over space and time. And he actually he actually goes ahead and he put together this image, which is immensely helpful. But and he breaks down he breaks down all the different aspects of the grimoire to kind of present this entire theory. But there's there's a um, and I think it was uh, flavorful jam PG three in chat kind of made a comment about this too, and flavor uh, jam jam made a comment about you know the difference between a universe and dimensions needs to be pointed out too. He and I I love this. He said the universe is a cake dimensions are the layers of the cake and i was like that that is an awesome analogy. i love that i love that it's it's so shrek like you're an onion you have multiple layers so you make people cry right isn't that donkey um but maybe you but- <laughs> yes I'll take it. But and so the the thing is, is so if you keep that in mind, if you keep a multi-layered cake in mind, which is a lie, um, if you keep that in mind, then the idea that the void is this underlying, basically an underlying foundation layer that is connecting all the other layers in this cake. Um, and, and you can see this in the grimoire. Well, you can see like hints of this in the grimoire. Um, so he kind of goes out and if you start with the void grimoire uh he he basically starts with some ground rules about the void uh which takes from the void grimoire the master of the void subclass uh void walker card and then also from a uh quest line in vanilla that actually actually is ulantan's perspective of light connecting across space and time and that that reaction to what the void is Reading all those cards and and he puts them all in here and he says, you know, it tells a story. It's a, he says the void is a place outside space and time. It is a space between stars and it's the absence of everything else. The void, capital V, is where void walkers, night stalkers, and defender titans draw their power, but they do so in different ways. Night stalkers draw from its power to bind creatures. Titans use it to create a shield and warlocks walk in it to learn its secrets. I believe that Void Light and the Void itself is something special, set apart from the other two elements. Arc is found in the binding of matter. All living things have arc light. Solar is carried within quanta. But Void Light is taken from another place and, when used against life, releases the light within. Uh, He says lifesteal for warlocks being one example. So he goes on to say... <clears throat> that you know Tolan speaks of void, walking the void and you know they the the multiple conversations about walking the void uh when you fight Atheon in the vault of glass you become marked by the void and you start to lose your vision and then you know the only cleansing of the ages helps you keep going and then he he goes back into the books of sorrow and he points out that you know it's not just the guardians who are seeing this it's also the hive uh, you know, the sword realms, the sword realms are creations of immensely powerful hive creatures such as Oryx and his sisters and Crota. So, and that's where you kind of see these wounds that are, you know, green was mentioning earlier, the wounds that are cut in space. So he actually says that, you know, I believe that the space that the worms cut into and later the hive is the void. Void seems to be the opposite of both arc and solar, and both the worms and the hive have practiced the art of consuming and flaying light granted in some unknown manner still. 
My theory is that by practicing sword logic and feeding their worm, powerful ascendant hive manifests the ability to cut through the fabric or membrane that separates the void from our plane of existence. To add to this, I think that this method to pierce the veil of using light or light stealing techniques is the same method that we as guardians summon the power of the void, albeit with very different methods. When hive cut into this space, they remove void light to create their realm. Void light can be formed into shapes, evident by the void bow, it can also be used the, the same method that shapes the sword realms. The more powerful the hive, the bigger the space it can cut. So with this all down, how does that connect? And then he pulls in the vex. And this is where it starts kind of getting really interesting. Because this is where the importance of what Jam said comes into play. There's layers within this, within this model. The hive is kind of this, um, Tolan calls it the sea of screams. And that's where in, in the ghost fragment, the Hellmouth, he mentions the Sea of Screams as where all these different throne worlds are kind of floating. And I, in my head, in my personal head canon, I see like a, a glass bottle, you know, like a message in a bottle. Those are the throne mm-hmm. worlds floating on this sea. And Toland is kind of jumping between these bottles, mapping this whole thing out. And, and here's the interesting thing for me here was I read, I've read Kex's theory and I was like, okay, that's really cool. And then I reread Ghost Mount or Ghost Fragment Hellmouth, and he says when when Tolan screams to Osiris, note the direction in which he screams. He doesn't scream out to our world. He screams deeper. He turns deeper and he yells Osiris, Osiris, and he says that sometimes he thinks that he hears him. Well, Kex kind of mentions this. Kex kind of portrays this as the vex so that the the hive are able to cut into the void in a way to to bypass space so you can see this with uh alec hold the dark blade where he was on the moon and now he's challenging oryx he uses the throne world to to change space uh eris in the most recent card kind of does this as well her, her teleporting capabilities with the lotus of power that's kind of manifesting the void in that way um, the Vex, however, kind of seem to go deeper. They go a little bit further and they don't just cut space. They cut through time to a degree. And so this is a, an understanding that the Vex network is in the same medium, um, as the sword realms, but it's a different flavor of it. Well, they, <sighs> They came from within right. one of the sword and, realms. And you see that because you th- uh, Ikora mentions the comment that the, the great minds are in the void. They call the void their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so where where we have the Vex, the first instance he goes, he he you know, he talks about the Vex appearing from the void, like what you're saying, with uh, verse four eight where Crota kind of oopsies. And mm-hmm. opens up the Vex. Excuse me. Oh, Crota. Oh, Why Crota. do you have to be so vain? <laughs> Taking on what your sisters can do. And I, too, will better. experiment with a wound. <laughs> no, no, Crota. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Look how that turned out. Bad idea. Bad Crota. Sit down. <laughs> plop, plop, plop. Um, 
And so it's so Kex makes the point. He's like, I would theorize here that his method for cutting into the vo- fabric of the void is imperfect. And instead of cutting into void light, he cuts through it and out into another entity that exists within the void, the Vex network. And uh, he uses an example here that I love. Imagine digging in your yard only to find a mole tunnel network. Your dad would be pissed, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. That would be a terrible, (laughs) terrible thing. Okay, if you guys have never experienced, like, a mole invasion or, like, in Kansas, we have prairie dogs. terrible. Terrible. Prairie dog invasion, they build cities underneath the ground. And those cities weaken everything around it and kill everything around it. It's terrible. Terrible. Gross. (laughs) Smelly, too. Oh, Yeah. yeah. So, and then in the undying, oh, go for it, go for it, go for it. Quick question. So we know that when Crota cuts into the, the void itself within the ascendant realm and the Vex come pouring through, and we know that's kind of a dimensional thing. Could he accidentally cut through the void into a different type of, of uh, energy, like cutting into the arc? Considering that Vex is all electrical base, I mean, I know well, that's kind of but me see, a spin here's and away. this is where this is where I kind of I I see that logic, but then Kex makes the point that all Vex weapons are void. Um, that's true. The Undying Mind, uh, Ikora says that um, we are starting to believe that time is home to the Vex, and somewhere in these unmappable voids dwell their Undying mm-hmm. Minds. Um, you know, that you have. Sense. You have slap grenades, you have the cyclops, you have all the different mm-hmm. weapons. They're all, you know, construction based weapons. Sure. Or not even they're not even weapons, actually. They're they're like construction tools, but they they're are tools. they're all void. Um so actually I would say if anything, I would argue if there was gonna be a different elemental quality, the hive would be in a different element. The void, I think, is actually a more natural element for the vex as presented okay but um okay and then and then so like so then he goes on to talk about the black garden which is you know a huge thing um and ikora believes that the black garden to be the birthplace of the vex um it wasn't anchored to mars when we entered it we entered it through the portal using the gate lord's eye which was you know the fun one um to access it and it's kind of that's kind of the same method that the Vex use to travel through their network, and so that would, if you're following this theory, that would place the Vex, the Black Garden within the void. Um, and there's an interesting thing here. Ikora goes on to describe the garden as growing in both directions, a feat that would be possible within a void, uh, where space is where a space where time isn't a constraining factor if you manipulate it. Here's a fun fact. If you ever are are curious about this, go look up what happens to plants when they're grown in a vacuum. They don't grow down. Like the roots so when you grow a plant, when you when you grow a plant on earth, gravity pulls it down. Gravity tells the plant, you know, where it where it should grow. So the the foliage goes up, the root system goes into the ground and goes deep. Well, in a vacuum, there is no guiding gravity force. And so a, a plant will actually grow in a sphere. Like, it will grow every direction because there is nothing telling it, okay, this is the direction that it should be going. That is kind of what the Black Garden is doing. 
except apply that to time, not soil. And that's where you get growing in both directions. It's growing because there's no there's no guiding pull of time of of the change of time. I cannot help but think of the Doctor Strange. Don't mind me, I've come yeah. to bargain. God, that was that was a great scene. Such a great. What are scene. you doing? Mm-hmm. But I mean. So, okay, thinking of that scene in and of itself, that's very psychedelic. The Vax kind of, in some ways, function a lot more linearly, linearly in some respects. Just Do you think that's just because we perceive them in such a way? Yes, yeah, or, I think so. And that's that's actually where the, the merchant and the alchemist gate, that's what I'm going to be. That's the next one yay, I get to talk about. Segway, unintentional so. segway. Um, but yeah, so like basically to, to wrap up Kex's thing, uh, that is, that's the thing is like the void is the, the housing unit of all these different realms outside of, outside of the physical realm, uh, which, I mean, the physical realm has its own things going on in it that are paracausal and confusing. Um, but the presence of the void of this void, netherverse as you know by by flakes to call it the psychomutable netherverse you know we know that void light is malleable by our will if you're doubting go look at a defender a night stalker or a void walker all of them use void light and all of them are vastly different Mm -hmm. so well and yeah in some respects and we talked about this in the different void episodes we've done that it's destructive but they have also different tool-like applications talking about the binding and the disintegration and shielding yeah they all have different applications but they all can do the same thing at the same time right but yes okay so to use that as a springboard we're i want to talk about uh, another really fun thing that exists, <laughs> it exists in our world, but it's used actually kind of very neatly in Destiny. And I don't, I mean, I think I think a number of people who actually dive into the grimoire are aware of it. But if you don't, go read, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, I think it's mentioned twice in the grimoire. Um, and it's the, the Merchant and the Alchemist Gate Theory. Uh, this is actually from the Ghost Fragments Vex, and this is a comment that Maya makes talking about the Vex. Um, so to explain this theory, you first have to realize what the Merchant and the Alchemist Gate is. This is a short story written by an individual, uh, Ted Chiang, who, which explores basically the nature of time and the fixed laws of nature itself. Um, however... The point of the story really is, is that while time is fixed, that does not necessitate that we have to experience it linearly. Um, And also, it it also is kind of a nod to um, acceptance of what is going on in your life. Um, And there there is a review that I actually just found earlier today that was a really good review. I'm going to just read this. This is from William uh, William Mingan over in Strange Horizons. I will link uh, this 
And if you are curious, this is a very short work. It is a very good work. I really enjoy read. I've actually read it a couple times. We have a link to the, um, the actual work in our discord chat. So just ask and we'll get you that if you're over there and you're curious for it. But William says, in devising a fictional concept that sets time out for us, future and past, as something essentially static, like the pattern in a carpet, it is perhaps no accident that almost all of those involved with the gate deal with things that must be woven or knotted, in which events can be observed but not shifted or changed. Chiang manages to convey to us, both here and in Story of Your Life, uh, another work of his, the world as seen from this view, an unchanging tale already existing past and future that we live through participate in act out and learn like an actor learning what play he's in by saying the lines that he has more than once found elegant complex conceit conceits for this difficult thematic territory that not not only convey understanding but even experience and which are also intricate intellectually and emotionally involving fictions is a truly remarkable achievement it is interesting instructive and aesthetically pleasing to watch an artist as intelligent and sensitive as Chang come to grips in different ways with and develop different correlatives for essentially the same field of experience and perception the number of works in his small over devoted to this theme seem to indicate that for him this is indeed where we are but he doesn't just present this material He also suggests how we should be and act in such a world. Within the scope of determined events, he finds a kind of freedom. The freedom to accept, to participate, to join one's will to events. Freedom in how to consider or take what happens, a freedom of understanding. Perhaps understanding is so important because, in the face of events, it's basically the best we can do. So that's the that was from Williams' uh, review of this short story. If you haven't read it, um, I'm going to try really hard not to spoil it, uh, <laughs> which is really difficult to talk about the theory without spoiling. It's it's not really I guess it's not really spoiling, um, <clears throat> but it's just it's talking about how um, an individual uh, basically finds a way to travel through time and this individual immediately goes to the idea of i'm going to use this time traveling capability to uh correct a mistake that i've made in my past oh boy lo and behold and i mean right i mean most of us know where this is gonna go if you if you have any experience with temporal travel stories you know how this kind of goes um Basically, what happens is, you know, he basically cre- uh, he creates the the problem that he regrets in trying to fix the problem that he he. And so there's this ever moving. It's it's the grandfather paradox, really. Um, and there's different stories. There's a uh, three different instances of this kind of happening, and and it ranges from there's one individual who uh, meets himself and from the future, and that meeting actually ends up being of great benefit to him there's another individual who meets uh who goes into the past and meets himself and that actually ruins his life um and then there's an individual who who i think she goes into the like she goes into a a different instance of the present i think and like the way she react like she basically creates 
a better relationship with her husband out of it. And all these different individuals, the underlying theme is, is that they are experiencing a nonlinear pattern of time, but it is still linear. Like their events created the event in which they are trying to alleviate. So yeah, and this and I mean it's and so the entire mention of this is actually in the Ghost Fragment Vex series with Maya Sundarish. I think it's actually specifically in Vex Four, um, <clears throat> right before they uh, they go they give they get their they throw themselves into the the network. The network. Here's um, a quick question before you you go into that. Mm-hmm. The, the most interesting. short story part that you talked about just then that caught my caught my ear a little bit was the woman who went into a different instance of the present yeah and i I don't don't quote me 100 percent on that one it might have been the past because i can't remember if the gate opened into the present i know it i know that i'm trying to remember there was there was a there was a rule there was a logic to the gate um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was either something like the G ge- cause there was, there were, there were multiple gates and like one gate would let them do one thing. And then the other gate would let them do the opposite. So I think okay. it was either like they, um, she either went into the, I can't, I can't remember, but her, her story was like the one that was like nothing really good or bad happened in, I mean, like it kind of was a good thing, but it wasn't like there was one mm-hmm. story in which the guy basically became wealthy because of himself and then there was one story in which the guy the guy ended up stealing from himself and ruining himself like it was really weird Uh and then there was her story and it was kind of like a you know the best the worst and the kind of the good like her relationship was made better but she herself wasn't like immensely benefited from it and then the main the okay. the main guy that he was trying to go back he was trying to go into the past to fix um, mm-hmm. an event that he right inadvertently that, created. That story makes sense to me. Like we've seen, I mean, if you've seen uh, Back to the Future or anything like that, you've seen that <laughs> that whole idea of going to the past or kind of shooting into the future a little bit. But the idea of going into this a different instance of the present is incredibly interesting. And I know that you had kind of talked about that a tiny bit when it came to you and I, when we talked about string theory, which I okay. might go into oh, later. If you, string theory. If you want. Um. If you want. <laughs> don't have to. Not going to force it. We might. It. We might. Uh, yeah. So, but real, real quick to just tie up the merchant and alchemist. It is in Vex Four. Um, Maya, where is it? God, I just lost it again. Uh, ba ba Oh, Maya. There. Um, it's about. It's near the end, and Maya is basically like complaining, and she's like, "I wish I could go back and change you into someone else." To <laughs> Chioma. <laughs> or no, no, it was to Dwayne, Dwayne McKnight. He was he was whining about something, and Shim responds with, "I wish I could go back and change you into someone else." Um, uh-huh. And so Chioma is the one that says it. She says, "Time is self consistent." I think it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist. 
You could go back and watch something or be part of something, but if you did, then that was the way it always happened. And then she goes on to say, maybe you could bring something back to now, something you needed. And that's where the merchant and the alchemist um, glass or <laughs> alchemist gate. Wow. Um, come in because there is, there's a story and the, the overarching thing is yes, time is self-consistent. You, you can't Which, augment time. You can't change events. Actually, no. by trying to change events, you actually create the event. Um, Which makes you worry a little bit about the whole point of destiny or not destiny type thing. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, but that's, a, that's a, that's a, that's a huge argument too, because that determination, right? Because, um, Okay, let's see. Uh, that ties into the theory of Osiris about um, the Vex not being able to simulate a guardian because guardians mm-hmm. are paracausal, so they defy the self-consistency of time in the way that if you were to do something to a guardian that you would do to a human or to an, like a to a causal being um, – the paracausal capabilities allow you to circumvent that to a degree that makes us basically wild cards in their equations. Mm-hmm. We're variables that they can't, they don't quite, to quote the Books of Sorrow, they don't quite understand the geometry of. So everything, yeah, Hurt, Hurt just jumped into chat. He's, he's right. Everything causal, you can argue that anything that is causal to a degree, if you pull back back far enough, Anything that's causal, you could say is predetermined. But anything that's by definition paracausal is is sidestepping that predetermination. Right. Which makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we have the the consens- consistency of the linear linear time, but how does that affect the dimensions within destiny are we talking the vex network are we talking i mean how does that relate back to that i know we were kind of on kex's theory for a bit but where are we at now oh for like the different theories mm-hmm. um i mean that's that's kind of the underlying structure of i think a lot of the destiny universe um is between those two and i i bring up merchant and alchemist gate not to say that this is exactly, you know, this is the theory that is driving a lot of destiny, but I just find it interesting that one of the big minds in the story kind of mentioned it and mentioned it in a way that is very, very kind of oddly subtle. Like uh-huh. the fact that they didn't specifically call it out, but they were like, yeah, the merchant and the alchemist. I mean, that took me a while to figure out, to be honest. That took. I, and it bugged me. It was like that little itch that you just couldn't, um, you couldn't get rid of. I was like, "What are they talking about?" There, there, there is something specific that they are talking about with a merchant and an alchemist, and I could not find it for like I think it was like a week. I spent just trying to dig through all the different like small books and you know all this stuff, and I finally found it. And I was like, "Okay, this is." And it's weird when you read it; it has nothing to do with science fiction. Nothing at all. Well, I mean, it, it in kind so of much it, as it doesn't have the flavors of most. Right, it's not. It's not futuristic. Travel. It's not futuristic at all. 
it's it's all uh-huh. taking place place in the past. Um and like it's this is um I'm trying to think it was it was Middle Eastern time in the Middle Eastern geography and like the medieval times. Like it, it, uh-huh. it, but I mean like reading it it was like what is going like it took me like half the story to be like, what are they talking about? Like, where is this connection coming from? And then finally, when it, when it finally kind of clicks, you're like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing here. I see the logic here. Um, but yeah, I definitely encourage people who, if you have not read it, definitely let us know and we'll get you, we'll get you a link to our, to our copy of it. Nice. Um, yay. Google books for free, uh-huh. free books. Um, okay. But yes, so that is uh, my Merchant and Alchemist Gate. Oh, let's see. We talked about Kex's theory on the void. We talked about pluralism. Um, Calavid uh, was a user over on Reddit that did a really interesting um, analysis of the timeline, which is something that a lot of people should ears should perk up on. Um, and he basically points out that... Uh, within the um, uh, within the promotional material for, I believe it was Rise of Iron, um, there is a mention of a time. Uh, and oh yeah, it was the introduction of Eververse. Sorry, not Rise of Iron. It was a year before Rise of Iron. Uh, Taken King Eververse sent these letters out, and I think if you were around in the Destiny community, you probably remember this. But they sent they they got sent out to to notable guardians or quote guardians of a note. Um, and at the bottom of these little letters is the I think literally one of the only ever recorded dates in Destiny, um, and it's the seven hundred and forty second moon of the seventeenth subcycle of the Traveler's Light. So, Wait, yeah. we could easily figure out the time. Right. Well, and that's what he did. So he broke it down and he was like, okay, so, <laughs> so and he, and I'll link this this Reddit. I mean, it's just I mean, like he's like, now, granted, this is all kind of his own kind of theories, but he's like 742 moons times, I think what, times 29.5 days gets you 21,889 days, which basically gives you about 60 years. Um and then assuming that the subcycles are not like ages, that means that there's at least 60 years uh, in a subcycle, which means that 17 subcycles translates into about 1,020 years. But we do have, and then he actually goes in and he says, you know, there is, there has been a couple slips of the tongue that Bungie has made. Uh, and Bungie, like said, it's been like 700 years. Uh, there is the comment about the tech being 400 years old in the take or the rise of iron. Um, when you're, I think, what is that? Is that when you're on the, what are the, the gondola thing? He's like, Oh, this is like 400 years old. It's like really long. Yeah. Um, you're getting ready to go up to the mountain top of the mountain. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like we're at the beginning. So, so he's, he actually points out that if you make one assumption that the Traveler's subcycle are exactly 65 years, that would put the Taken King at exactly 1,100 years since the Traveler arrived. 
so hypothetically, okay. if it was that the golden age was 700 years ago, but the subsequent dark and city ages were a combined 400 years, that would give you the hundred or 1100 years. Um, and then if you, you factor in the, the year between the events of the taken King and the rise of iron, uh, which has been implied to be one year, which makes it 61 years out of our 65 total to get to 1,105. Um, oh, and then he, he points out that there is a, a public announcement in the tower that says something along the lines of be aware of reported changes in the traveler's activities observed. <laughs> so, and then he, he, he then goes on. He says, how long does destiny two reportedly take place after the events of rise of iron? Four years. So the Traveler subcycle is changing to the 18th subcycle, and the Cabal use a weapon which has been long in the making uh, to exploit this lapse in its behavior to cut us off from the light, the source of the power, and invade the last city. Like it was, it was, and he, I mean, he goes on to say, he's like, okay, look, it's, it's, there's a lot of assumptions, but it does kind of line up with a lot of stuff um and he's uh, like you know uh, as far as we know right 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 he's like as, i mean we have and, very yeah. limited very limited amount of information to make that assumption on right and he, that's what he kind of says he's like it was just one too many coincidences so so he wrote this long post over on the destiny lore wrote it and i was like i'm like i i see the logic it's it's pretty good logic. I'll link it. I'll link that as well in the show notes for everyone to to give a gander. But I'm trying to think. We have string theory if we really, really want to go for six hours. Well, okay. Uh, do you want to just give like a short? Why, why don't you? Why don't you give the short description? Because I'm okay, not even so- sure I fully could give a short description. If you've never read anything about string theory, I highly suggest that you go and pick up Brian Greene's book, The Elegant Universe. Brian Greene is kind of like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of string theory. And even though string theory has changed as far as the theory in the last 10 years that it's been out, because I read Elegant Universe back in high school. And if I could read it in high school and understand it, it's it's a pretty decently written book. And what he talks about is he goes into the theory of like Einstein and how basic physics works and then how string theory, the idea that instead of everything fitting together molecule wise that we know of, if you go deeper past the quarks, past all the different quanta, you get into the idea of energy and energy makes up everything. Now, physically, mathematically, it doesn't make sense for certain shapes So the most basic idea that they've been able to make fit as far as mathematically and geometrically is the idea of strings, strings that vibrate at different rates. And so it's a very elegant idea about how the whole universe vibrates at all these different rates, which we know different items vibrate at different rates. You see that in music, you see it in a lot of different things. So the idea that the string theory you get all the different vibrations. So that's basic overview. How it relates to what we're talking about tonight is that within quantum physics, you have the idea of having not just like four dimensions or even five dimensions, but like 
13 different dimensions, not just up, down, forward, backwards, but you have things that you can't even imagine how it works. You don't, I mean, you have time. We have different dimensions that could relate within time. And it, string theory allows for all of that to have multiple dimensions alongside our own that we already see and can perceive, but as well as others. Because in quantum physics, ideas of protons and, or photons and everything popping in and out of existence without any explanation, it's very difficult to try to explain mathematically. They have the idea of string theory, which they can mathematically at least kind of make it fit. So that's my basic primer string theory. If you want a lot more information, he's got three books on it. They're great. I highly, highly recommend reading at least The Elegant Universe, which came out in like 2004, maybe 2003. Really good stuff. Is that what you kind of remember from your little dive into string yes. theory, Blue? Yeah, my head hurts, but yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's like time travel, but worse. Yeah, that that would be that would be my summary of it as well. I hate it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like, I'm like so good. I, I I remember messaging you and I was like, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> because my my thing is is like i don't just like i'm like i'm the type of personality that when i start looking at something i don't just like oh this is a cool summary i'm like no i want to understand what they're talking about that's a terrible idea when it comes to string theory because it's it's, it's not possible like, well pretty, and oh not God. only that it's changed so much in the last couple of years that a lot of the original theories don't work anymore so I don't know if it's necessarily been disproven, but it it has to be reworked. It's oh, not the yeah. same as it was in 2003. Well, yeah, and then you have like then I think wasn't isn't there a variation of string theory that tries to take into account the chaos effect and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, just no. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, also, if you don't want to read the book, and I try to get Blue to go do this, and I don't know if he ever did. They made a Nova documentary on the Elegant Universe where Brian Greene, the author, actually describes everything. And he does a really good job of condensing it down. I think it was like maybe an hour, maybe two. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to watch the whole thing. It wasn't it wasn't very like I mean for for the breadth of the topic, it was not very long. Yeah. It's it's a really good little series. I know it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's in little multiple episode clips. It's good stuff. I like science. Science! Okay, science Science that says that music is everything. Okay, that's right up my alley, guys. I'm going to love it. I'm didn't gonna didn't we already it. talk about the, the Disney? Mm-hmm. Now I want to go Not watch in this episode. Again. Not in this episode. Pythagorean theory. Uh-huh. God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um... All right, let's see. We got that. We got that. We talked about the cake is a lie. Um, we talked about the merchant and the alchemist gate, which led us into, or well, which came from the elemental discussions. Um, have you, we, have we, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about in Kex's theory, the idea that arc is the binding power. What was solar? It's quanta. Quanta. It's the okay. messenger. It's like it's it's basically change. 
Um, energy is carried it's from the solar card. It says energy is carried by quanta, tiny messengers of change. So solar energy is all about the, the changing, which I mean, it makes sense if you think of it like plasma right. or fire. Mm-hmm. It creates different things. It creates things by destroying them. Mm-hmm. Let's see, cool. let's see, let's see, let's see. Talked about the timeline. Got that. I'm trying to think if I was. I'd do one more little sciencey thing. Go for it. So the void within science is the idea of that there's nothing in there, of even a vacuum. So you think about a vacuum. The vacuum still has stuff in it. Um, it still has very, very, very tiny amount of quanta, um, quantum particles within it. Things flash in and out. They have proven that in the Hadron Collider, that within a vacuum, you can have things popping in and out of existence, quarks, even more technical type things with that. So the void, it's kind of a misnomer in some respects because nothing still has something within our universe, within our universe. As far as Destiny's universe, we kind of see that the Void has something with the fact that they have ascendant planes. Now, I know you kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but how it's very easy to get into the idea that the ascendant plane is a a mental plane or a spiritual plane. Mm -hmm. Would... I would would actually equate it more to a spiritual plane within some respects because of things, but if would that plane itself be dependent upon the material plane that we are in? Because <clears throat> so far of what we know, things that have gone into, except for the Vex, the Vex are the only thing that are kind of the exception. Things that have gone into the ascendant plane come from the material plane. Mm-hmm. Which... And it's possible the Vex do too. Right, well, but, right, right. And I mean, Okay, um, so <clears throat> this kind of ties into the concept of a, a school of philosophy that's known as phenomenology. Um, and that kind of goes into uh, – it's kind of a philosophy of the mind and the way that we interact with reality. Um, mm-hmm. And so insofar as you're saying you're, – you're correct – Insofar as everyone that we know of currently that goes into the ascendant realms or the void plane, you know, in this case, that netherverse, let's just call it a netherverse. Um, insofar as an individual goes into the netherverse, that individual from a psychological standpoint um, – is going to be molded by the reality from which they came. Um, you actually see this in the books of sorrow when the Vex pour into Oryx's throne world because they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the right. geometry of the spaces. Uh, what that means is like they literally do not understand the laws of existence in this particular space. And this kind of points to that, that entire that what you just said. They, the hive came from a causal universe. They came from a physical universe where physics and, you know, 
laws of the universe that beyond their control enacted certain uh paradigms into yes. their into their own psyche they there are their gravity there is you know mm-hmm. there's there's different just base rules of what we assume are just impressed oh. upon us and oh, so if you so no go for it could we have could we have like a dlc or like a, a game but just listen for like a psychonauts type thing yeah. or even just a completely psychedelic realm in which we go to that's the Vex original homeworld or whatever that just rules do not that our normal rules do not apply yeah i mean that's the beauty of another verse is the person who the individual who creates the netherverse and who has the will or has the strongest will um uh-huh. enacts the laws of reality upon it i mean that's where you see things in the dreadnought in in uh, Crota's, you know, Crota's throne world, those, those events that happened, that oversoul, you know, coming down when he reshaped, you know, Crota doing the superhero landing and reforming everything. <laughs> that's him like the, enacting yeah. his will. He is returning to his throne world and he is saying, you know, this is mine. This is the way it should be. And he molds it into what he wants. Um, and that's where, you know, we as guardians, when we go up against him, we are, we are combating our will against this. That's what's so cool. And I kind of talked about this in the King's Fall episode. That's what's so cool about the King's Fall raid, which I could not stand. But the the um, ship, the Agonarch Carve, that is a nod to a, a verbal debate. Agonarch Carve is, I, I can't remember. It, Agonarch is the, the person who oversees and the carve is the debate. So like an Agonaut carve is actually a, a, a verbal debate between two individuals, which is exactly what we just did to Oryx. We, we went into his world and we debated with him and we proved that we were right. And by proving that we were right, we proved that our right to exist over his right to exist. We won the debate. Therefore, the ship that we got from that debate was a nod to the victory of the debate. We it, we argued him out of existence. Right, basically using his own using his own argument, we won the debate. Yeah, sword logic. Sword logic. Yeah. We we used good, good we used the the conversa- or the language of his of his existence of his reality, and we won that conversation. Uh, it makes me it actually makes me think of the dragons from Elder Scrolls. Where in Skyrim they explain dragons. Dragons don't fight; they're just arguing with the the uh, Dovahkiin, the voice of the dragons. Whenever you, whenever you right. speak, you're just actually that's what dragons in Elder Scrolls. They're not actually flinging fire at each other; they're just arguing. And whoever wins, which is a hilarious. Oh idea. yeah, no, I, I mean, see- yeah, it's it's like it puts into perspective a really interesting mental picture of of For the sure. disputes. But I mean, that's and if you apply that to the hive, that's kind of what they're doing. That is, that's how they, that's how they settle their their disputes. I mean, and and that how that's how they settle everything is through sword logic. They prove their right to exist, and the person who's right continues to exist. The person who's not is cast into chitin, you know, or mm-hmm. or they learn and they come back. And that's the the war priest. That's what the war priest is: is the right the right to exist 
But um, <clears throat> to go to go back to your question about the netherverse, yeah, because from a from a, a psychological standpoint, um, you every everyone has a a view of reality. Um, these are these are called paradigms. Uh, paradigm is basically your your understanding of. Uh, of the basic building blocks of your reality. Like there are, there are just immutable laws to everyone's reality. Um, and so when you create something from your mind, there are things that to you are always going to be foundations. So when you create something in a netherverse, if you come from a causal and physical plane of existence, your paradigm is going to be different than an entity that comes from a non-physical or I mean, like it would be like saying to someone who came from a planet of oceans, well, our land our you know, this planet is land. It's like that, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to them. They couldn't, they couldn't grasp that. Well, even the idea of us having gravity work the way it does. Mm-hmm. The idea of like when you go up into space, if somebody was born in space and they they were constantly floating around, that would be their reality of what their experience is. It's the mm-hmm. idea of that is how they were raised. That's what they know. That's their their background. They wouldn't understand to an extent what gravity is besides just a mental concept of it. Right, right. Uh, a good example of that is um, <clears throat> um, oh, what's the TV show? The Expanse, um, which is an amazing show. But there's a uh, it's a sci-fi show that's um, it's very political drama, but it's basically Earth. It's there's like three political parties. There's Earth, Mars, and then there's this group that live in the asteroid belt, and they're called the mm-hmm. the God. I just blanked. The Reefers? No. What are they called? I can't believe I can't remember what they're called. But anyways, there's like there there's different political factions, and it's it's just a huge political mess. But that is exactly what the the people who are in the asteroid belt. You know, they they are um, they have lived in basically zero G for so long that they're they're physically they are physically incapable of coming to Earth. They cannot live on the planet because their bodies have evolved in a way that gravity will kill them. Like if they're not in a uh, a, what was if they're not in a um water basically which you know nullifies gravity to a degree um uh-huh. if they're not within a vat of water they will they will uh asphyxiate and die and so like to them the idea of like gravity is just like they they understand it like they have gravity but it's artificial gravity and it's like nothing you know compared to earth or mars and like, but yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like they're like, they, they understand the logic of what it is, but they don't actually mm-hmm. know it. Whereas an, a earther comes to the, the Yeah. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Yeah. If you, if you have not seen the expanse, I really recommend at least watching the first season. It gets, it gets a little psychedelic near the end. 
Um, and I haven't seen second season yet, but uh, the first season is amazing, uh, especially if you enjoy political like intrigue type stuff. It's it's political intrigue mm-hmm. in a sci-fi setting, which is really hard to do uh, or do well. And they just mm-hmm. nailed it. Amazing, amazing series. But yeah, that that, that kind of goes into your your comment about the the gravity not really you know clicking for someone from a from a non a non gravity yeah space. like what would you call it a vacuum not really a vacuum but a zero mm-hmm. g a zero g because gravity yeah yeah because gravity can still affect within a, a vacuum right 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 and I mean in 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 the expanse they <clears throat> they still have gravity like obviously they still have belters thank you. Bibletron, the that belters, that's the asteroid belt. They're amazing. They're like cool. the they're like miners. Like that's what they are. And so like the just the portrayal of like the culture differences between Mars and Earth and the Belters is just hilarious when they get together because it's like this just giant clash of like and Belters are like um they're like Creole. Like they have like this uh-huh. weird mismatch or mismatching jumbled like social thing. Uh, it's it's amazing. You need if you haven't seen Expanse, you need to go watch it. Belters are are amazing. Don't oh, don't give nice. don't give the Belters crap. I'm getting I'll I'll get on you. Okay, but <clears throat> I think I mean I really think actually that's a lot of what we we did talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm gonna link. I'm gonna link both the the or well, I'll link the timeline comment or the timeline post and Kex's theory. Um, I'll link that in show notes. It is also in the mind map, uh, along right. with a summary post on that. Uh, I have a summary of the philosophical concepts for the pluralism concept. Um, I have that in the the mind map as well. Um, oh, and I have the Merchant and Alchemist Gate. Um, theory at least in there and like i said if you're interested in reading that let us know because we have a pdf copy from i think it's from google books that we can and i think that we got most of the lines about the different dimensional aspects from a bunch of different cards and we went through books of uh, sorrow or book of sorrows and the vex i don't don't worry i always call it the book of sorry Whenever I'm typing, it's, it's always book book of sorry, and I'm like, God, no, not that. Books. Yeah. Instead of just singular, or is it? I can't remember. It's one way. One of them's plural. One of them. Yeah, I think I it's can just. Never I can't, I can't remember. It's the bos. Up, that's what I call it. Yeah, it is the bos. I don't have a, a, a witty thing. I need Justin. <laughs> it's here not. That. It's not a pos. It's the bos. Um, bag of no don't want to end that okay okay um, anyway. we did we did get an email from from cam so i'm gonna read that real quick let me get that intro out of here dispatches from the wilds Alright, so we got an email from Cobalt Cam, and Green, do you want to read it, or do you want me to read it? I have no access to it since oh, I am on a phone. Oh, that's that's right. You are, you are out in the field. We are actually yes. getting a dispatch from the wild from Green. That is this episode. Yes. 
Um, and I plan on taking pictures of all the different things that we do on vacation. And I'm going to start linking pictures in the Focus Fire Chat Facebook. Nice. If, you're, you, if you have never gone to the Focus Fire Chat Facebook, go do that because I'm going to start giving pictures from not only going to Kennedy Space Center, which I think applies to Focus Fire Chat because, you know, space, and then Guardian Con. Lots of photos from there. Anyway. Perfect. Continue. We'll have them all linked also on the on the website because that's linked to the Facebook page. But anyways, so Cobalt sent in Cobalt Cam here. I have heard a lot of theories being thrown around that Eris Morn has created her own sword realm. I was just wondering how likely the crew thought this was. Also, side question. If Justin had a sword realm we had to infiltrate to take him down raid style, <laughs> would the relic be a snack? Well, Green. I don't think we should answer the Justin question necessarily. I mean, we could theorize what Justin's <laughs> relic would be or Horcrux or whatever we want to call it. I mean, if, I don't think he needs, what is it, Nagini? Nagini from yeah. Harry Potter? Oh, the, uh, I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I didn't read. Oh, shame on you. Um, I, I don't like repetitive you stories, Alchemist, but you won't bring Harry Potter. I read Come the on. first, I read the first like four book, five, no four book. I'd have to ask my brother. I'd read the first like four or five <laughs> books and it was like, I'm like, this is literally the sword of truth for kids. Like it's, it, yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's a it's baby terrible. step into it. It's terrible. It's a baby step into it. It is not terrible. The Sword of Truth series. Okay. First book is great. Anyway. Second book, you're like, what's going on? Third book, you realize you're literally repeating yourself just with different well, people. No. Yes. Harry Potter's more. Oh, more oh yeah. Okay. Harry Potter maybe more. Like I said, I only read the first four. They killed What's-His-Face, and I was like, I'm done. Dumbledore? No. Um, uh, the guy from the prison. Oh. Uh, um. Super serious. Serious. Serious black. Super serious black. He got killed. And I was like, I'm done. That's like uh, the only character yeah. I cared about. He was he was a cool character. Anyway, as far as Eris having her own sword realm, I don't think so. I I mean it's hard to say, but the reason why orcs and all the others have such a, a large sword realm is because of the amount of power that they have, the amount of willpower that they can create this realm themselves. I don't know if Ares has that much power or has been able to get a line of tribute to attain that much power. So I, I have a immediate gut reaction to kick back against that. I can see her diving into various sword realms because she is somewhat ascendant herself but I can't see her making her own. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I kind of disagree, but I, uh, how so? Um, well, so just to be like, because Justin's not here to point out this really super spin foil idea. We, we do actually have a, a degree of tribute to Eris, your rep. Okay. Besides the fact that we take her, what is it? The, the stinky stuff from the ship. The green stuff. What is that called? The shard or the moldering shards? No, not the moldering shards. Um, it's warm spore. Yeah. Well, but we also, I mean, we we do we um, do stuff to get rep with her. 
we have you know the wrath of is it wrath of crota no that's wrath of queen's wrath it's the uh, right crota's it's the bane. crota's, crota's bane. Mm-hmm. uh we do have rep for her so we are doing things uh for her that uh, i mean i don't i don't know it it um, depends really it tribute is a really loose defined term <laughs> so it's like well what is tribute is that like right. literally the the payment of light because i and I've, i swear i've had this conversation with justin i can't remember do we do we give her motes of light or do we just give her materials I think we give her materials. Okay. I don't believe we give her because, like, if we gave her remotes of light, I'd be like, "Bam, right there." That's your tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like that. But and then, so the only other reason I kind of hesitate to say, like, admit, like immediately, no, she doesn't have a sword realm, is um, the ghost fragment Erismore. Uh, this is where this is where a lot of yeah, this is where a lot of people kind of I think that I've heard this theory from. This is where a lot of people point to to say that's what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. I and like I can. There's there's part of me well, okay. that understands it. Like I get it, but well, that's the, why I'm saying that she can dip into the sword realm in general, but that it's right. not necessarily her realm. Like they carve out their own personal space, right? But like where the, where is Tolan at? Well, Toland, Toland doesn't is, necessarily have his own realm. Toland also doesn't have a body. That that is also true. But I mean, Toland, Toland, Toland I would argue that Toland has. I don't think Toland. I mean, I, this is just me kind of reading into Toland, you know. So that could be completely wrong. I don't think Toland has really any interest in that. I think he's trying to get something more. I think he wants the Sea of Screams. Like mm-hmm. you know, he wants he he's in his own kind of cuckoo way he's he's kind of got his own sights on different things but the i i don't i mean like i could see eris having her own ascendant realm is and this is going to be super spin foil but this isn't a little trope idea that could possibly be worked in we know that orcs in the past has resummoned zavathun mm-hmm. and sivarash back into the material plane by defining them. What if that just means that by defining them, finding somebody who embodies the idea of what that is, what has Eris done this entire time? She has kind of subverted the normal protocols to be able to accomplish attacks by either working with the queen or working with the, the Vanguard council and able to manipulate things behind the scene. What if she becomes the embodiment of ding, 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 one of the sisters. Mm -hmm. It's super spin foily, but I can see it being worked that way. And if she has the powers like that, Eris becoming one of the bad guys as like one of the three sisters, but in a different form, that would be super cool as far Mm -hmm. as the story goes. I mean, the other thing, the other thing that you could do too is, in a different direction is if she gets an ascendant realm or a sword realm, that means that her next death is not going to be her last. True. So she'd be able to come back. She would be able to come back. Um, now that is again, you know, we, we don't know to be honest, um, how, 
how likely uh, i mean it's up there it's there's there's a there's a chance um there's definitely there's definitely evidence that that is what's happening i think mm-hmm. you know especially with the ghost fragment uh eris morn i i definitely could see that easily being the case i could also see it easily not being the case it's kind of on the fence right. um so in regards to that uh as far as the relic for justin I, I I really think it would be a snack or a horse. This, okay, so if it was a snake or a horse, would they have? To, would the mechanic be you have to ride it up to him? To if it was a horse, you totally him? have to ride it. You'd have to like you'd 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 have to like joust with him. Ooh, if it was a snack, I don't really know how you would do. I don't. I guess you could joust on it. I don't know. Joust on a snake. It'd have uh, to be a pretty large snake. It'd be a very, very, it would be a very large basilisk. Oh, God. Terrifying. <laughs> I would be scared. I'm then. sorry. I'm I, gonna, I, need, I need someone to make a picture of this. As Justin riding a basilisk? Great. No, of Justin yeah. fighting someone riding a basilisk. Okay. <laughs> If if Jake was in chat, I would totally like be commissioning him to do something like that. Exo Watermelon needs to ride a basilisk. Were we invaded by horse people? Take... Oh god, that would be awesome. Oh god. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. Gotta gosh. give Justin some love. Oh okay. Um. So yeah, uh, Green. Do you have any final comments or shoutouts for us? I want to just give a shout out and lots and lots of love towards Justin. Um, just send him all your love. Send him all your positive prayers if that's the kind of thing you do. Just send him just your well wishes because tough times are tough, and when life starts punching you in the face, you need everybody you can to help hold you up and help you walk through it. So just make sure you're sending positive thoughts his way and let him know how much we miss him and give him your love and everything because that, that man is awesome and I want him to be okay. Mm. I know he will be ultimately, but I also want to help ease his, his pain a little bit as much as possible. Yeah, and I'm gonna gonna kind of echo those. Like that's that's definitely the same for me. Um, if you guys get a chance, be sure to be sure to let him know that we're all here for him and we're we're sending him positive thoughts. And you know, if you're also if you're on Twitter, you should be definitely giving him mm-hmm. this week. Do not give him grief. I normally ask for that, but do not give it to him for this week. Um, just out of respect for kind of the the events that have happened for in his life right now um but also uh we are not going to do an email topic for next week because obviously we are going to be out of town we will be down at guardian con and hope hopefully we get to see a lot of you i know yeah. there's i know there's a good number of people who have who have messaged me that are going to be down there and that we're gonna, we're trying to figure out where to all figure out where everyone's going to be able to meet us. Um, we are going to probably oh. be hanging out at the guardian radio booth, right, which definitely. is right next door to Jake's booth. Yay! So, uh, we get to, we get to happy. bug both of them. 
Um, um, and yeah, go for make it. Make sure that if you have the GuardianCon app, you can add everybody through QR codes. Make sure that you go through and add both Blue and I if you're wanting to kind of get info or like make sure that we add you as well. So you can tag us on Twitter with that if you're going to be there and mm-hmm. come visit us at booths. Come yeah, say I, hi. I honestly, I still need to figure out what exactly the the contact list does on the Guardian Radio or the Guardian app. It, as far as I can tell, it gives you all the information that basically all of the people who listen to our show already have. Okay. Twitter, okay. Yeah. I was like, it Instagram, doesn't like, it didn't let Twitch. me like contact them. It just was like, Oh, here's the no. links. So I was like, I already have most of that. So, okay. No, right. that makes sense. <clears throat> I was like, now, I'm as far something. as <laughs> if you are there and you haven't gotten tickets already, it's probably sold out at this point, but blue is going to be doing a lore panel with Bife. If you haven't heard that, you need to see if you can beg or barter. Please don't steal, but beg or barter with somebody <laughs> about getting tickets and watch. Go and watch Blue do his thing with Bife and is it Mylan? Mylan and uh, Leah loves sheep. Beard. Yeah, oh, Leah. Leah. Oh, yeah. Leah. Beard, Leah, Beard is going. I think Beard is going to be there. I'm. I think Wallen or Sir Wallen's not. Because I was talking right. to him earlier about it. He's not going to be able to be there. Um, but Beard, I think, was. Because I, I remember talking to the two of them, and I think that was... One of them was, and one of them wasn't. I he's going to be at G-Con, but I can't remember if he's on the panel. Oh, no, no, yeah. Uh, the panel, uh, just because this, like, I, I, I don't know. They the were size. limited on size. Uh, it was Bife, Mylan, myself, and Leah. Uh, and... It's, it should be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Kind of nervous, kind of nervous, but looking forward. I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about. about. Horses. Oh my gosh! Someone, someone will break me. <laughs> I am. I am a hundred percent sure. Already said he's jumping in on yeah. that one. I think Penn's was great. like, we're going to ask about Osiris. It's like you're going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. Fair warning, but yep, it'll be good. So yeah, if you if you guys are there, give us a shout. Uh, best place to obviously give us a shout is definitely Discord, <laughs> because that will probably be my my primary. If someone messages me on Discord, I will probably respond more quickly that way. Um, if not there, uh, give us definitely give us a shout out on Twitter. Just tag us. Uh, we will we will try to keep up with all that. Or you can email us. Um, you know, if you really want a slow response. Because <laughs> I will, I promise, I will get, I will respond to your email. I don't know how long it will take me, but I will respond to every email that we get. I try really hard to do that. Um, but yeah. definitely, Discord is definitely, and my my private messages are open. So if you want to DM me or you know message me that way, feel free. I'm I'm always there. Um, but yeah, let's run through outro real quick and then maybe stay around for a little bit of an after show with that. We'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for a live streaming of the episode each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast. And please, please, please let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. 
Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. Bright.